one of the best ways to determine whether or not we really understand grace, one of the basic ways that you can see whether a person really understands what grace is, is is this, am I willing to extend that grace to other people? And folks, what we just did is was a picture of extending grace, okay? Am I willing to share with others what I've received myself? Am I willing to have mercy and, and to forgive and to love and to meet the basic uh, needs of the other people that, that I may meet? See, all of us meet people every day that have needs. All kinds of needs. Am I willing to meet them? If at all possible. Now, I'm not talking about here and there, okay? Hit or miss. I'm talking about beginning to look for things like that. That's what it means to extend grace. Will I extend grace? Now, here's a question you have to ask yourself. Will I extend the grace that I'm talking about even to people who disagree with me and laugh at me and make fun of me, create turmoil at every turn, give me fits? Am I willing to be a living, breathing example of Jesus Christ, even if they refuse it? Not once, not twice, but over and over and over and over. See, Jesus has called on us not to just talk about grace, but to extend it, to give grace away. Our problem is, very often though, we want to act like people rather than Jesus. Now don't let that blow right over your head, okay? We want to act like people rather than Jesus. And he's called us to act like him. All of us, if we know Christ this morning, if, if you know Christ this morning, you have the capability to act like Jesus, to do what Jesus did. I mentioned earlier, we're the body of Christ. Literally, we are the body. He's the head. And when we're connected, we have the, when the head is connected to the body, guess what? My brain tells my body what to do. I've got one place that won't obey. You know why? Because the message center to that area of my body is permanently damaged unless Jesus touches me. It doesn't get the message. So what it does is it flops when I pick my foot up. And folks, that's what the church is doing for the most part. It's flopping. For some reason, there's a disconnect from here down. We're not extending grace. We're not living out what He's called us to do. We can do this because the Holy Spirit lives in us. He empowers us. The issue really is not whether or not we're able or not. The issue is really want to. Do I want to? This morning we sang about grace. And there's a, there's a song that all of us know. It's called Amazing Grace. I mean, I, I, as long as I can remember, we, we've sang that song. There, there's variations of it, and I love the variation that we do now that, that where the, the chorus is, my chains are gone. I, I love that one. But do you know the guy who wrote that song understood grace? This wasn't just something he sat down and, and found some words that rhymed and put them together. This man lived grace. His name was John Newton. John Newton was a sea captain. He was a slave trader. 
You may not, you may not even know this. He was a wicked, I don't have words to describe, and I've, I've read his biography. I don't have words to describe how wicked he was. He was a vile man. He was even sold as a slave. Eventually, he was so cruel that his own shipmates, the men that served on his ship, pitched him overboard. And then they began to feel bad about it, so they harpooned him and drug him back in. Not really caring whether he lived or died. Okay? When, 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 when John Newton talked about wretch, remember the first verse? Okay? He was writing about himself. Okay? He understood how wicked he was. And he met Jesus. And he went from a slave trader to an Anglican pastor. And he was very instrumental in the outlaw and the abolition of slavery in England. You know why? Because he had met Christ. And that meeting Christ and receiving that grace caused him to be one who extended it. And he wrote Amazing Grace. Folks, grace is amazing. And we can sing about we can sing about it, but we have to get it. We have to understand it a little bit. I love Luke chapter twelve, verse forty eight. And I'm just going to read the last part of that verse. But there's a this verse is kind of startling, and every time I read it, it, it sort of stops me dead in my tracks. And I'm just going to read a bit of it. It says, To whom much is given, much is required. Let, let that r- resonate a minute. To whom much is given, much is required. Folks, the measure of grace we have received is the same measure that we're to extend. And what I want to do this morning is I want to show you a picture, and a, a, a really an amazing picture that Jesus painted. Jesus used stories, very simple stories, to drive home very simple messages. Folks, this book is not complex. All you need to do is get you a translation that you understand and just read it. It speaks for itself. And Jesus used, used stories to, to paint pictures so that his, the people that were listening could understand what he was talking about. And he paints a, a, a very clear picture in Matthew chapter 18, the last half of it. And it's a familiar story whose main point is about forgiving about forgiving, about extending forgiveness. But here's the reality. If, if you don't understand grace, you will never forgive. Without grace, there's no such thing as forgiveness. So this morning, I want to I look at it from a grace standpoint, not so much a, a, a forgiveness standpoint. And the reason that we struggle most of the time to forgive is we don't understand grace. We don't just get it. The light hasn't just come on. We've heard about grace. It's one of those words that you, if you go to church, you will hear about. It's, it's a constant used word. That probably is not good English. Consistently used would probably be a better way of saying it. It's just constant. You hear it, preachers say it, Sunday school teachers say it, even church members say it. We sing it in songs. It's all over the place. But very often we don't understand it. And so in this story, I want us to look at the story of a, of a king. And this king came to that day when he decided it's time to settle all the debts that I have. Okay? I'm going to call in 
those that owe me money, they're going to pay me. We're going to make the books right. And so it was his money, by the way, not theirs. Okay, y'all do understand that. It was his money, not theirs. So on that day, today, all taxes were due. So I'm going to read this story, and then we're going to come back, and we're just going to look at a very small part of it. But folks, my purpose today is for us to understand the grace we've received. Because if we understand it, we should extend it. If we don't understand it, we get convoluted, we get confused, and we don't do what we're supposed to do. But if we understand it, if we get it, it should be easy to extend grace, to give grace to others. Most of you know this, this story that Jesus told was kind of in response to a, a question that Peter asked. Lord, how many times do I forgive somebody who sinned against me? Okay. Well, Jesus, you know, you know the, the answer. He said, I don't say seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, let's just lay the forgiveness thing aside for a minute. I want you just to listen to the story. For this reason... The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a certain king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves or his servants or his ministers. It could be translated any way like that. In fact, this is probably a king who who has hired tax collectors to collect taxes for him. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. And and when he had begun to settle him, there was brought to him one who owed him 10,000 talents. But since he did not have the means to repay this, the Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and his children all he had, and repayment to be made. The slave, therefore, falling down, prostrated himself before him. And he said, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe me. So his fellow slave fell down and began to entreat him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling, however, and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you entreated me. Should you not... Also have had mercy on your fellow slave, even as I had mercy on you. And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that he owed him. So shall my heavenly Father also do to you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That's a uh, sobering story right there. It was a story that... uh, Everybody in the crowd understood. In fact, they were on the edges of their seats because they hated tax collectors. Okay? Things had not changed a lot, has it? Okay? In that day, what would happen is a king would determine or an emperor would determine how much tax was due in a region. He'd set an amount. And then there would be businessmen who would come in and they would bid on collecting that tax in the region. And the, the highest bidder got the job. Now, 
they would then go out and collect the taxes. And everything they could get above what the king demanded went in their pocket. Sound like a system you've ever heard of? It was a system that was filled with greed. It was a system that, that uh, made handful, you know, here and there, it made people rich. It was a system that robbed and stole. But this is probably the, the picture that Jesus is painting here. The day had come when the king says, hey, I'm ready to collect my money. It's payday. And it's interesting in this story that it says they appeared before the king, but there was one they had to go get. I wonder why. When you owe somebody money and you don't have it to pay, what do you typically do? Sort of drop out of sight. And that's what he had done. He'd, he'd kind of, so they went and got him, and they brought him in. The crowd loved this because they're thinking in the back of their head, he's going to get his. Needless to say, that tax collector, that thieving tax collector, represented them. Now, before you start cheering, he also represents all of us. Okay? So put yourself in his place. Okay? You're the tax collector that owed a lot of money. Okay? A lot of money. He owed the king, Scripture says, 10,000 talents of silver. There was only one problem with that. He didn't have it. Now, let me give you an idea. Just let, you know, this, this will help you. You know, we, tal- we don't have talents and denarii and uh, mina- minas and all that stuff. We have dollars and cents. We understand dollars and cents. But in Galilee, the region of Galilee, if you look up in, your, in the back where the maps are, that's the book that comes after Revelations, okay, the maps. And you look in the regions where Jesus is, and, and where his ministry was, you'll see, uh, you'll see Israel broke into Arius. One of them's Galilee. It's a pretty large region, and there was a lot of people that lived in Galilee. Their tax debt for the whole region was 200 talents a year. This guy owed the king 10,000 talents. That's 50 times what the whole region of Galilee owed. It would have taken the whole region of Galilee 50 years to pay that debt. What happened is he owed a debt that no matter how hard he worked, he couldn't pay. And that's the point Jesus is making here. There's all kinds of other stuff going on in this story, but what Jesus wants us to see is here's a guy that's hopeless. His situation is hopeless. He's helpless. And he's, the point he's making is that's all of us. That's all, that's all of us. We are all in the same boat. We owe a debt because of sin that none of us can pay. So let me paint you a, a little bit better picture of the helplessness by kind of putting this tax collector's debt into terms that all of us can understand. He couldn't file chapter 11. Andrew Shannara couldn't be his attorney. It didn't matter, okay? He couldn't file chapter 11. He couldn't go bankrupt. It wasn't an option. The master's solution was, hey, I'll sell him. 
I'll sell his wife. I'll sell his kids. I'll sell his property. Can I just say that? After he sold them, folks, he wouldn't have got a talent out of them. 30 pieces of silver would have bought a slave, a healthy one. He probably didn't own any land to amount to anything. So he is hopeless and he's helpless. He didn't have an option. And the, the scripture says he owed the king 10,000 talents of silver. Now, one talent of silver equaled 6,000 denarii. You say, well, Nelson, what does that mean? You remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about that one denarii was the wage for 12 hours of labor in the field. Okay? One denarii. And that denarii was worth about 18 cents in our day. This man owed 60 million denarii. Okay? Put that in dollars and cents. He owed about $10.8 million. So that was a number that was beyond the people who were listening Ability to conceive. They were poor people. Most of them had never made more than a denarii a day. Jesus is trying to paint a picture of hopeless and helpless. And what happens is this man begins to, he begins to cry out. He begins to ask the king for time. Well, let's just rationally consider that for a minute. If he'd worked six days a week, 12 hours a day for the typical wage of one denarii, it would have taken him roughly, give or take a few years, 190,000 years to pay the man back. Do any of you know anyone who has lived that long? I mean, the, the longest person we have that's recorded is Methuselah, and he didn't even make it to 1,000 years. If this man's family had been forced to repay it. It would have taken them hundreds of generations. Hundreds and hundreds of generations. So paying back the debt was impossible. I mean, that's the point that Jesus was making. This guy can't pay the debt back. So do you grasp his condition? Does it make sense? Folks, he didn't have any hope. And that's all of us. Apart from Jesus Christ. We're helpless. We're hopeless. We have absolutely no chance. Of making it. Apart from the grace of God. That he's given to us through Christ. So this morning. The, really the only lesson I want you to learn. But the first lesson I want you to learn. Is that's us. And if you can't see yourself in that place, then you're not going to understand grace. You're never going to extend it very much because you don't grasp it. If you don't recognize it, you don't grasp it. You don't understand who you were apart from Christ. You're not ever going to extend it to anybody else. Folks, if we can't see our condition, our condition, we can't see it in the people around us. We can't see the need. Now, let's just look a little bit at the story because there's 
some pictures that Jesus uses. He, there's some words that he uses, and they're found in a couple of verses there, and I want us just to look at it. The, in verse 26, it says that the, the man began to cry out to the king for patience. You know, I mean, let's just be honest. To amass 600 talents of silver, it had been several years of taking in taxes. I mean, a long, long, long time. He'd taken all kinds of, of, he'd made all kinds of deductions, but he had never made a deposit. So in essence, he had never paid what he had bid. He had never fulfilled his part of the deal. And so what happens is he begins to cry out for patience. Now, it's interesting. The word patience means in this text, the word that's used here, it's, it's somebody to have patience when they have the power to avenge themselves yet they refrain from doing it. In other words, this king has the power to say, off with his head. And that's it. He's done. And yet, he refrains himself. That's not what he says. He says, give me patience. But you know what? This man really didn't need patience. What he needed was mercy. And that's exactly what this king gave him. He gave him mercy. And mercy is an essential element of grace. You and I have been called to be merciful. Folks, mercy gives others what they don't deserve. Justice gives them what they deserve. You know what? Not one of us has received the justice of God. We've received His mercy. To whom much is given... Much is required. And so he begins to cry out for patience, but what he needs is mercy. And and mercy extends to to others what they don't deserve, and it withholds the judgment and the penalty that they do deserve. Folks, mercy is a characteristic that the church desperately needs. You know what we're known for in the church? What we don't do. Not mercy. Not grace. In the church, typically, when somebody is wounded and hurt, you know what we do? We shoot them. We push them down farther into what they're already into. We turn our backs on them. Folks, that's not mercy. That's not mercy. That's not love. Listen to what 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says. It says, admonish the unruly. You ever been in a church with unruly people? Well, you're in one now because I'm here. I'm a little unruly. Okay? Encourage the faint-hearted. You ever met people that were just faint-hearted? They were weak. They, They just, you know, they couldn't believe. They weren't sure. Help the weak. Then it says it. Be patient with all men. With all people. That's the text there. Be patient with all people. Folks, we could use a little patience with the people that we're around. They could use a little patience. So this slave's crying out for patience, but what what he's really saying is, have mercy on me. And there's some other words that that are even more indicative, and they're found in verse 27. I'm going to read verse 27. It says, And the Lord of the slave felt compassion, and he released him. 
and forgave him the debt. He felt compassion. He felt compassion. It means he was moved deeply within. Now this is a guy that owed him a tractor trailer. I mean, it was, it was the, the battleship that, the, that H&R Blocks, I mean, the aircraft carrier H&R Blocks commercials got with all the money. That's the, he owed him that kind of money. And yet there was a compassion and he felt a compassion. Meaning that he was moved deeply within and he, and he had affection for this slave, for this servant, for this condition that was before him. Listen to me, compassion without action is just feeling sorry. And there are lots of times when we just feel sorry for people because we don't act. This king acted. The Bible says that, that, that he, he saw it, he felt it, and he became tenderhearted and he acted in kindness. And grace always brings compassion. Folks, here's what I've learned in ministry. Whenever I, I talk to somebody that's, that's in trouble or somebody whose life is messed up, I try to, to see them through the eyes of Jesus. I love that verse in, in, the, in the Gospels where it says, And Jesus looked out on the crowds and he, he saw them with compassion. They were sheep without a shepherd. Every time I read that, that it just grabs hold of me. Compassion is something that God gives. Okay, It's not something we work up. It's something God gives us. And the more we pour ourselves into the lives of people, the more compassion God will give us. If you're not very compassionate, it may be because you're not willing to invest yourselves in the lives of hurting people. You say, well, that's just the way I am. Well, no, you're supposed to be like Jesus. And Jesus was compassionate. And grace brings compassion. It allows us to strip away our prejudices. And our judgments. You know, it's easy to point at somebody and say, you know what, they're getting exactly what they deserve. They won't work. They deserve that. Folks, until you see real poverty, and there's poverty in this country, there's poverty in this city, in this area, but until you really see it, nothing's going to change the way you feel about that. I remember going to New Orleans. It's been... 30-something years ago with a group of students. And we went into a place in New Orleans to work, do a vacation Bible school with, with kids. And for the first time in my life, I saw real poverty. I saw two and three and four-year-olds out at 10 o'clock at night playing in the streets because their mothers were prostitutes and their daddies were drug dealers. And the darkness was when they worked. And so if you weren't home, by the time they left, they locked the doors. I saw kids that didn't have enough to eat that would press their faces to the window to watch you eat. That's poverty. That's not in a third world. That's in a major United States city. And folks, it's not just down there. It's right here. Compassion. That's, that's what the church needs is compassion. Folks, if we don't have compassion and all we do is shake our heads and turn our back and walk down the other side of the street when we encounter pain and suffering then our faith is worthless we don't have any concept of grace we need a ton of compassion Jesus 
told his disciples this, they will know you by all the rules and regulations that you have, by all your programs, by your personalities. No, by your love. By your love. Folks, grace is compassionate. It's not enough to get a big lump in your throat. It's not enough to have a tear in your eye. People don't need us to feel sorry for them. You you do understand that they don't want our pity. They want us to reach in there and show them freedom. They want us to lift them out. And that's what this this king says. In verse uh, 27, it says, The Lord of the slave felt compassion, and he released the slave. That word released is the word for freedom. It, it's, it's, it's the word that, that it's a word that mean, meant this. The king released him from his debt. He no longer repi- required him to pay him that money. He released him. He set him free. It's not a loan that you repay. That's not what grace is. See, the, the servant, he just wanted time. Give me time, I will pay you back everything. But there was no, not enough time to pay back this debt. And so the king releases him. Folks, grace is all about release. It's all about freedom. Freedom. And the sad thing is, is that most people in the church are bound up in bondage even more so than the people who don't know Christ. We've been set free, but we won't let go of the stuff that Jesus has let has set us free from. We're bound up in tradition. We're bound up in, and this is the way they used to do it, and we can't do it this way anymore. We're bound up in all kinds of garbage. The reason we can't set other people free is because we're not free. Jesus released us. You want to know why you're driven to do things? So that God will love you more? You know why you're driven to work harder? So that God will love you more? And, and, and he, will, he will feel all about you better, feel better about you? It's because that's a lie from the pit of hell. You can't earn his love. I can't earn his love. He just loves us. He just pours it out. All I have to do is take my arms like this and gather all of it I can get. So he's released us from that. And folks, the time has come in the body of Christ for us to release what he released to us, to let it go. We're not dams. We're conduits. See, dams stop the water. They stop the flow. Conduits carry it to the places that it's needed. That's what God has called us to be. Folks, the ministry of the church... One of the ministries is we are to take the gospel, the good news. And the good news is the same good news we received. We are to come, we are to take it into the world that we have contact with, and we're to release it because the gospel sets people free. It releases them. It gives them complete freedom. So this man, all of a sudden, he's received mercy. He's experienced the compassion of someone else. Now he's been released, but that's not the end of it. 
It says in, in the latter part of verse 26, it says, the Lord of the slave felt compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Now, I don't care how much money you got. $10.8 million is a lot of dollars and cents. It's one thing to say, okay, you don't have to pay me back. But you know what? Every time I see that guy, I'm going to go, you know what? That's the guy that owes me. <laughs> he owes me. Every time I look at my checkbook, I'm going to add 10.8 to the little bit I've got. And when I don't have enough, I'm going to think, you know what? There's $10.8 million missing in this account. But that's not what the king did. The Bible says he forgave the debt. He erased it off the book. That's what it means. I've used this illustration a lot. I've probably used it in here when I've taught on forgiveness. When I was in the plumbing business, every year I would have a handful of people that would call me to come and do work at their home, and they never intended to pay me. Those of you that have been in business know exactly what I'm talking about. They, they, they wanted your services, but they didn't want to pay for them. And so at the end of the year, I've got to reconcile my books. What do I do? Well, when I didn't get a check in a month or so, I sent them a little note. And then I made a phone call. But then at a certain point, none of that's worth anything anymore. There's only one other thing. Well, there's two things you can do. You can go to small claims court, and it will cost you probably five or six times what that person owes you. And I know there's some of you out there that want to make a point, so you would probably do that. But I was in such a you know, business, and, and, and money was so tight, that I have to say, hey, you know what? Que sera, sera. When that number comes up again, I'm not going. And what happened is, I'd forgive their debt. I'd erase them off the books. I quit hounding them. I stopped. I forgave their debt, just like it never happened. Folks, that's what Jesus Christ did for every one of us in this room this morning. He didn't just release us from our debt. He erased it. He erased it. It no longer exists. Romans 8 one says, There is therefore no longer any condemnation. That word condemnation means there is no longer any punishment for your sins. He erased it. Clean the books off. Wipe that $10.8 million right off the slate like it never existed. Now, here's a practical application. There are people in this room who have people they need to forgive. Okay, I'm not preaching on forgiveness, but Here's the deal. Forgiveness is impossible unless you grasp the grace that you've received. Okay? It's impossible. Until you, you realize that God wiped your state, slate clean, you probably will never forgive. Humanly speaking, you know what? It's impossible to forgive. But God gives us the ability through what He's done for us to extend the same kind of forgiveness. You know how you spell forgiveness? G-R-A-C-E. Grace. 
That's all it is. That's all it is. Now, I wish the story ended here. Okay? It would be a really good story and everybody lived happily ever after. Amen? But it doesn't end here. Man, this guy gets up. He straightens out his robe. He wipes the tears and the snot off his face. And he straightens himself up like everything's okay. And man, he mar- he's on top of the world. Okay? And he goes outside. And what does he do? The first guy he runs into, he grabs him by the throat. You know, that's the picture of most people in church. We refuse to extend what has been extended to us. He's a picture of most of us. He goes out and he blows his top because this guy owes him $18. I don't don't do math very good, but 10.8 is is a huge amount percentage more. Okay? $18. That won't even buy you lunch all week at the Jiffy Checks. Okay? You totems. That was, you can't even go to Chick-fil-A but a day or two for $18. <laughs> Instead of, of extending the grace that he'd received, what happened? It blew right over his head. Everything that he'd experienced in that, that room went right over his head. He didn't get any of it. He just realized, I don't have to pay the debt. That's all he got. He didn't get the compassion. He didn't get the forgiveness. He didn't get the mercy. He didn't get the grace. He missed it. All he knew is he had a free get out of hell card. Because he was headed to prison. That's all he knew. He had a fire insurance policy that guaranteed he didn't go into judgment. And folks, that's most of the church. Grace is a get-out-of-hell-free card. It's, it's a, a, a seat in the non-smoking section. Okay? Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's, it's the idea that, you know what, I can do whatever I want to do. All I have to do is stop every once and say, God, forgive me, and go on. Listen to me. That's not grace. That's not the grace Jesus died for. Jesus didn't die, folks. So that we could half-heartedly confess continual willful sin and then live like we want to and think we're going to slide right in under the, the door. He didn't die for that. That's not grace. That idea was, was found in the New Testament in a few times in Romans. And here's what the Apostle Paul says. There's a word. It's meganoita. Now that you say, no, I don't have a clue what that means. This is what it means. May it never, 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 never. You just keep adding nevers. Be so. Well, you know what, Paul? Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. May it never, 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 never be so. If that's what we understand grace to be, some kind of, of card that lets us do what we want, regardless of what God says, We've missed it. We've missed it. If, if we think grace just works for us, but it doesn't work for anybody else, we've missed it. Folks, if, if we hoard it in and we refuse to extend it, we've missed it. Folks, grace is a gift. 
God has given it to us. He expects us to pass it on to other people who are just as desperate as we are. See, our problem is most of us have forgot what desperation is like. We need to remember what desperation is like. Our problem is one of two. Either we never grasped the size of our debt, and my prayer is that's what it is. Because the second one, I really don't like. It bothers me. Either we don't understand the size of our debt, or number two, we don't care. One's ignorance, okay? But the other one's arrogance. And the only answer for either of them is repentance. We need to repent. Jesus tells this story so that everyone could who heard it would know that to whom much is given, much is required. He wanted them to understand that all their situations didn't matter whether they were people who worked in the field, whether they were poor or rich, whether they were priests or scribes, didn't matter. They were all in the same boat. They were hopeless and helpless apart from Him. Nothing's changed, folks. We're all helpless and hopeless apart from Him. And folks, if we realize that, and we realize the grace He's given us, we'll extend it. You know what? I'll give grace in places where, you know what, grace is not deserved. That's the thing about grace. If it's deserved, it's not grace. So every place you extend it is a place that's not deserved. Thank you, Lord. That was a, that was a good point that uh, you just gave me. Amen. So here's the deal. Is it ignorance or is it arrogance? What's the reason that we're not extending grace? What's the reason you're not extending grace? I'm not extending grace. Let's pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.